You're listening to the Secret Muse Society, where we pull out the things we keep hidden about ourselves. What are the secrets that actually hold us back from the connection we crave? And what happens when we tap into the inspiration we have to offer the world? I'm your host, authenticity coach, Karen Choi. Let's dive in together. Hello, you might hear some little chipmunky sounds, little girl voices in the background, and that is because of my super high-tech podcast recording studio. My apologies. I hope that this is fun for you and not distracting. (laughs) Hello, Muse. Welcome to episode 29 of the Secret Muse Society podcast. I'm calling this episode, Let Your Face Look Like You Feel Something. And this is a call to action. This is a make our face a revolution. This is rebel against what is conventionally pretty. This is set your face free (laughs) episode. And it's because I was recently inspired by three muses who have this kind of beauty that I just can't take my eyes off of. Now, You may think that this is a creepy aspect of me, or maybe you've got this in you too. When I see a really beautiful human being on, in person, like on TV and magazines, that happens. It's pretty regular. It's not that, it's not like a special or surprising encounter. But when I see a really beautiful person, face-to-face in real life, like the living flesh there's, I am, I'm kind of like an eight-year-old little girl where I just stare and my jaw drops a little bit. I think I've never actually had a mirror held up to my face when I am just in the presence of beauty and I am in total awe. I think the closest I can think of is my friend's call my face apple pie face. And it's because my friend Lindsay one time made, and it was her first attempt at making homemade apple pie. She made the crust, the filling, everything. The crust was like, she perfectly, you know, what is it? You roll the frozen butter into the crust. She, and it was like, thick and flaky and crusty and sweet and crunchy, but chewy. It was just like all the yummiest textures. And she like latticed the apple pie in such a pretty way. It looked like she had been making apple pies forever. And then the inside filling was like this perfect caramel color because of the apples and the brown sugar and the cinnamon. And it was just so ooey gooey. It was so beautiful. I just lost it when she presented this apple pie to us. 
my eyes widened, my mouth dropped, my hands were just like melting on the table. My whole being was in awe. It was in and at the presence of this beautiful apple pie. <laughs> so my friends call it apple pie eyes, I think. And they took a picture of this moment of my response, my reaction, and a very emotional and visceral reaction to apple pie. I think maybe that's what I look like in the presence of beauty. <laughs> Actually, the love and appreciation of all things beautiful is one of my top values and strengths, according to the VIA strengths assessment, which I take my clients through. It's a beautiful way. It's a fun way of getting to know yourself to what really matters to you and what strengths you lead with in your life. But anyway, a, a beauty that you just can't take your eyes off of, like that you almost drool. And these three muses that I recently saw transcended like a conventional beauty, you know, the symmetrical beauty. Actually, I really do appreciate symmetry, but I also love symmetry plus something surprising. Actually, surprise to me is beauty. It's like added beauty. And back to the muses, they're like this, they just had this kind of like beauty that is so raw and real and honest and human so human that it almost feels superhuman. And if I could use a term from the wellness industry, clean beauty, like clean beauty is about like non-toxic products. And it's funny, my kids are actually playing with Barbies and dolls. So speaking of unconventional beauty, there's the Barbie dolls, which we also now have not just the blonde, blue-eyed Barbies, but we also have Asian-looking Barbies because it was important to me to have that the girls have dolls that represent what they look like because that was something I wanted when I was a kid. And they also have these LOL dolls that don't look real. Like the eyes are really big. The hair color is different. but And the bodies are shaped differently. They're kind of almost more curvy. But they definitely have the long legs and the tiny little waist. So, I mean, our ideas of beauty in our toys, in our magazines, what we see in clothing models, those are starting to change and reflect what regular, real human beauty looks like. But I don't think that there's any harm in continuing to intentionally challenge those ideas what beauty should be because I'm 42 and I saw a very specific kind of beauty for most of my life. I'd say not until maybe four years ago did I start noticing in media different types of beauty being represented. So I think we have to continue challenging the old ideas of beauty standards and always creating and noticing what we find beautiful, what is attractive to us and what is not attractive to us because sometimes there's a lot of beauty in that too. All right. So this episode is about three beauties that just 
I just want to kind of tell you about them, how they made me feel the story that I've started creating around them and the story, how their stories I'm weaving into my own story, which is allowing me to embrace my beauty and showing different elements of my own beauty in different ways. So in theme of the Secret Muse Society, right, when we're talking about bringing out the things we hide about ourselves, let's bring out some different kinds of beauty, shall we? There's three muses that I want to introduce you to today. The first one is Sweaty Boxer Mom. Sweaty Boxer Mom, she tells me, who cares if sweat is pretty when it feels this damn good? I recently started learning a new skill. Boxing. I know. You might be surprised that I'm trying boxing, or maybe you're not. I am surprised that I'm trying boxing because it was never really something that was on my radar. I always thought I was more of a yoga and doing high intensity interval training workouts in my living room or kettlebell or going for long runs in the city. But a friend of mine for her birthday in June, she realized, hey, she wanted to find an outlet for her stress and to have something just for her. She just felt like this is the year that she needs to do that. And so knowing that I'm the kind of friend who's wholeheartedly support doing new things for personal care and growth. She asked me if I'd, well, she first asked me if I tried, if I would go to a yoga class with her. And of course, yoga is easy. And she offered up yoga. This is what I've learned for later because it is more palatable. It's easier to get a yes. But like maybe a two second text later, she's like, actually, I really want to try boxing. Will you try boxing with me? (laughs) Like totally two ends of the spectrum. We go from like being a lover to a fighter. And I'll be honest, I never really thought of myself as a fighter. I'm kind of scared of the, I, I was kind of afraid of what that would be like. But now I'm starting to love fighting. And I'm starting to find that the fighter in me is bringing out the more of the love in me and the courage to really like look at what are the thoughts and beliefs around fighting. I'm exploring that around, you know, unprocessed and expressed rage and anger and all the kind of feelings that have been harder for me to look at. But anyway, back to the story. (laughs) We found this boutique gym in our neighborhood that offers fit classes. And fit is F-I-I-T. That stands for fight inspired interval training. So this was perfect because it was like a step into boxing through the type of workouts that I'm already doing, the HIT workouts that I already love that I know work for me because I know that I can commit to 30 or 45 or 60 seconds of like discomfort and pushing through. And every time I come out of an interval, I feel mentally stronger. I feel physically stronger. So fight inspired interval training is where you combine hit workouts with boxing. So we put on boxing gloves 
and we are either punching a bag or the trainer comes and he brings out pads and you do combos using your gloves to punch the pads. Can you picture this? So we are hooked on this boxing outlet. We are hooked. I didn't even realize I needed this outlet. And I feel like I'm now tapping into emotions that have been buried deep, deep within me. And it's energy that feels like unprocessed anger and rage. And it's these are big feelings that I have difficulty expressing. I'm not going to dive into that piece, but maybe that's what it's part of. It's like, I just know that I'm poking at a sleeping bear. And I don't really know what will happen when it wakes up. And that is kind of scary. Really letting out anger is, even describing it is hesitant. I'm resistant. Anger to me is a very scary emotion. I think about like turning red. And remember when the mom becomes this big red giant panda? Like if I had a red panda, I think my panda would be like the mom's panda. She's massive. She's like bigger than the sky dome. I don't know. I've throughout my life, I've never really felt like I was an angry person, but now I'm starting to realize I did feel anger. I just was really good at packing it away. So that red hot fire feeling, you know, when you, when it starts to rise up from your chest and you feel like your ears start burning, that's what anger feels like to me. And I can see destruction and explosiveness and temper and it's not very pretty. It is almost feels like hell. (laughs) It's really uncomfortable. And so I don't know. How do you feel about anger? I have friends, even one of my girls is very good at expressing her anger. She's not scared of it. I want her to feel powerful in it in terms of like power, meaning she has the power to feel it and she has the power not to let it take over her. She has the power not to let it control her and she has the power to use it in a really useful and productive way for her. So I'm experimenting with that. And that's why these boxing classes are so exciting and also really mm, ah, kind of scary. (laughs) So this is where I met sweaty boxer mom and I am not sweaty boxer mom, sweaty boxer mom. I think it was maybe my third or fourth visit to the gym. She walks in carrying a car seat with a six-month-old baby in it, like a very bald, Elmer Fuddy-looking, beautiful, adorable baby. And in the other arm, she's carrying one of those baby Bjorn bouncer chairs. And then over her shoulder, she's got a duffel bag containing her boxing gloves and her water bottle and stuff. She's tall and blonde and wearing a loose tank top. So you can see her shoulders and her arms. Everything's all flexed. Her hair is tied back in a ponytail. And she doesn't look like she's like perfectly well put together or that she has all her shit together. Cause we know that no, not everybody has their shit together. And we know that moms don't have all their shit together. And that's being, that's okay. She still showed up for herself and brought her kid so that she could have her workout. Like I was just. 
I was, I, I was just kind of taken aback by her presence. She's the kind of person who just takes up space. And I was watching sweaty boxer mom because she looked like she had been there a few times and I was still a newbie. And so in their class, our trainer, he takes a class through a circuit that he set up. And I think that there were like 10 stations. And on one of the stations, you have to put on your boxing gloves and do punching combos with him as he holds the pads. And because I'm new and I'm trying to learn these combos, I was watching her while she was doing this circuit. I was watching her throw punches like Gal Gadot in Wonder Woman. Womp, womp, pow, pow. Like jab, jab, undercut to the face, to the face. Like this is, these are the kinds of things I'm picturing when I'm doing these combos, like the upper, upper, lower, lower. If you're doing boxing, you'll know that you're kind of like pop boxing to the face. You're punching to the face or you're punching to the stomach with these uppercuts or you're punching in a way that like, you don't just punch, which taps the bag or the pads. You want to punch through it. So this is like, strong punch through a brick wall kind of energy. And I was just watching her put her whole being into those punches, every muscle, all her force, even her full face. (laughs) And I watched our trainer take these blows with the pads. Like he was kind of throwing her, throwing him off his balance. It was fierce. It was ferocity. She was ferocious. And it was almost as if she was even punching with her face. No inhibitions, no need to look pretty. And I couldn't take my eyes off her. I wouldn't want to be her opponent in the ring. But at the same time, I wanted to be her friend because what I was getting from her is this. Her strength, the fact that she was building up her strength, using her strength, strengthening her strength, to her, that creates her safety, that creates her confidence, that creates the space for her to grow and to expand and to just let go. So when she's like letting go of whatever happened during the day, whatever happened at work, oh, she happens to be an immigration lawyer, which is what I learned. Whatever happens, you know, on her walk there, whatever is happening in her life, because of her strength, to push kind of those inhibitions and barriers out, she made more space to let go of that inner stuff. George Carlin, a comedian, he says, don't sweat the petty things and never pet the sweaty things. And that's why when I think about sweaty boxer mom, she's there in the moment, not sweating the petty things, right? She doesn't care if she's sweating. She doesn't care if it's pretty. It doesn't have to be pretty because life isn't always pretty. And actually, I had this delightful thought of the etymology of the word sweat in my mind and in my heart. I wanted it to be sweat equals salty plus wet equals sweat, (laughs) sweat. But that is not the case. So let's move on. That was sweaty boxer mom. Like she just made space to let herself out and let it be sweaty. The second muse is who I call stank-faced guitarist. 
And for me, stank face guitarist, she shows why be pretty when you can be powerful. I couldn't take my eyes off her in John Batiste's Tiny Desk Concert for NPR. I'll leave a link in the show notes. John Batiste didn't bring his regular late night house band to this performance. Instead, he made a statement with an all new cast of musicians. He built an all female band for this 15 minute performance, which has had millions of views. And they opened their performance with the soulful ballad titled Cry. And if you can remember there of the intro, there is like this menacing bass rhythm and it just makes you kind of want to like scrunch your nose and like bop your head. And John Baptiste, he sings those lyrics. Who do you love? Who you gonna love? Who do you love when push comes to shove? How does it feel? How's it gonna feel? How does it feel when it's getting too real? Why sometimes does it seem like all I want to do, all I want to do is cry, cry, cry. And in the background, you can see the guitarist, Celise Henderson. She holds this pink guitar that's glittering with sparkles. And there's a shoulder strap that has white sparkles. She's wearing all black but her lips are slightly pink and she's just got the stankiest stank face on her as she like grooves and her guitar line just kind of punctuates the lyrics as the, with the drums, like who do you love? Who you going to love? And she feels it. She feels it with her face. <laughs> you can see the grit about of like those lyrics in her face about love. Like love's not always pretty. Love is sometimes like deep, dirty and gritty and raw dogging. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. That's a shout out to my friend Kate and Huya, an inside joke that I don't want to explain right now. <laughs> but like even feeling our feelings are not like and pretty and pink. Sometimes that glitter's got to be kind of sandy, right? And so with stank face guitarist, I just have stank face right now. Like everything about your face just scrunches. And it's, it's she's kind of like sweaty boxer mom too, where you just push away like the pretty, agreeable, wide eye, doe eyed, oh, I don't know what's going on, innocent face. And you just like squint your eyes, hunker down and scrunch and you just feel it because it it's in there and there's pressure and there's tension and there is just stank. <laughs> so you're pretty and you're more than just a pretty face. And that's your power. Stank is power. Like when something bothers us and our stank comes up on our face, why hide that with a poker face? Show it. If you don't have the words to express how you feel, someone can probably tell how you feel by the look on your face. And yeah, showing all your cards is vulnerable, but at the same time, it's so honest. 
And for those of us muses who want to be more authentic in our everyday living, practice letting down the poker face, practice letting that resting bitch face come alive. See what happens there. Embrace that tension and that discomfort and that grittiness. And maybe there's going to be a little bit of conflict, but don't be scared about that. That's in your power, right? Like when I was talking about my daughter who lets out her anger, the anger isn't the power. You are the power. You have the power to acknowledge the stank and you have the power to not let the stank take over who you want to be in the moment or how you want to be truthful. You have the power to turn that stank into something useful. All right. Our third muse is who I call the ugly cry soprano. is the muse that says, let yourself look like you feel something. <laughs> Her name is Lei Shu. It's spelled L-E-I-X-U. I couldn't find an English pronunciation to make sure that this Chinese soprano's name I'm saying correctly, but Lei Shu, she's a Chinese soprano, and I couldn't take my eyes off her. She stepped out on a stage in a royal blue floor-length gown to sing Dvorak's Song to the Moon from his opera Wasalka. And this was in a YouTube video with her performance with the Shanghai Philharmonic Orchestra. And what I love about her performance compared to all the other ones I watched, and trust me, I watched many, many, many performances of Wasalka during this like obsessive day where I listened to this song for probably six hours straight, and I definitely listened to Lei Shu's performance for at least two of those six hours straight. It was like an enchantment. I was totally bewitched. I was in this like state of melancholy, and this piece of music just pulled me in. The story is about a mermaid. Actually, this is like the Czech version of Disney's Little Mermaid. So Rusalka is Ariel. And in this song, she's talking to the moon. And she's asking the moon to connect her with her prince. And she's asking the moon to let him know how much she yearns and longs for him. And so this song just kind of expresses that feeling of distance, that feeling of wanting to be close. And it just, I don't know what it is about it in that moment. It really just connected with me and a feeling that I was having about longing and disconnection and wanting to connect with something, a feeling. And this gave it to me. And she, in her performance, gave it to me. She was, it's, her performance was so different than the other ones I saw because the other Sopranos, they maintained this like level of prettiness. 
you know, when the princess is singing for her love and she continues to look pretty, her tears look pretty, her posture is always pretty. And I just find that so boring. It just didn't feel like it was that guttural longing. She just needed, you know, that despair, that grief, that sadness of being away from somebody that you love. That was missing for me. And it's almost as if the pretty Sopranos kept it at bay because it was too hard to look at. But what so drew me about Lei Shu's performance is that she stepped into that cave. <laughs> look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? What am I? Anyway, sorry, I'm getting distracted. She steps into that cave to look at all the trinkets. And those trinkets are like forks and hammers and all kinds of pretty and sharp and ugly and hard and soft and slimy, all the ooey, gooey things that the pretty sopranos weren't really willing to touch on. And it really created this like stark contrast between Lei Shu and the violinists behind her in the violin section, because she is this Chinese woman, you know, just showing her emotions on stage in front of an audience, in front of an orchestra. And the orchestra, they looked like robots. They looked like they had less emotions than robots. Like Data from Star Trek has more emotions than some of the women who were playing the violins. And it really helped me to notice how that kind of irks me and bothers me. It bothers me when I can't see emotion in other people. And maybe it bothers me because it taps on a curiosity or maybe it bothers me because I feel like they're just like holding themselves back. And I wish people would, could feel free and safe enough to express how they feel. Like it just, it feels so contained and that tension, I guess, bothers me. I, I guess it's just how I connect with other people. I really connect with visual cues. Okay. So back to Leishu, she sings so big, this beautiful aria that you have to listen to if you haven't already heard it. And I'll leave a link to the YouTube video in the show notes that she can hardly stay still. Like she is swaying and she can't stay pretty. And like, you can see the music like swirl up in her like a tornado. And I like that about her performance. It feels kind of dangerous and like loose and unpredictable. Again, I, I guess that emotion is surprise. I like that surprise. While the other Sopranos that I watched seemed so much more concerned with keeping it beautiful than feeling it beautiful, it was boring. It's like they took their performance down into the bunkie, into the shelter so that they could stay hidden from the tornado. I'm picturing... Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz when that twister was coming and she's like, ah, and she like tries to open up the, the gate to go down into the basement. I don't know what that thing's called, but anyway, you know what I mean, right? And so like the climax of the song to the moon just keeps building, building, building towards the end. And as she gets there, her face 
gets more and more pained and her eyes squint and her lips, her lips kind of curl like Elvis Presley, you know, like it gets all wavy and her body puffs up and she just gives that top note everything she's got and she doesn't hold back anything and her full boldness, like all the color just goes whop. That moment is just everything to me. And I just kept watching those final seconds over and over and over and over again. And again, because it created such a stark contrast to the super stoic women in the violin section. And in that moment, I was like, wow, if we're concerned about our looks, what do I want to look like? I actually have, I think subconsciously, I've been wanting to look like the women who are composed, who have their shit together, are keeping it neutral. But I want to play with the surprise factor and the unpredictability of being a tornado. Because to me, seeing Lei Shu do that, it was not a disaster. It was, <laughs> it was like this beautiful spectacle. You could think that a rainbow is how you want to look when a tornado is just as beautiful. You'll see at the end of the video. So what do these three muses have in common? I'm going to wrap up this muse presentation of a sweater boxer mom, sorry, sweaty boxer mom. We have our stank faced guitarist, ugly cry soprano. They all have in common this letting go, this release of having to stay pretty and which helped them to transcend to a whole new level of beauty. Like they played a different note. I know two out of the three are musicians, but even Sweaty Boxer Mom, like every hit she was making was like a punctuation. And if you listen to episode 25, where we talk about what does authenticity mean, this is it. It's like that musical note that only you can play and that maybe you haven't been playing in your piece of music. It, you haven't hit that note yet. And it's that note that we just, we hear it and we love it and we want it. We want to hold on to it. Or it is that look that we see it and we can't look away from her. I admire these three muses and I've been watching them over and over again, whether on the screen or playing in my mind just to be in awe of how truly awesome they are in those moments of pure emotion. To me, that is a true vision of beauty, to experience and witness a woman in her full power. So here's our CTA, our call to adventure. I got this from, instead of call to action, our call to adventure from Andy, Andy J. Pizza, who's the host of the Creative Pep Talk. And if you are a creative you will probably really love. You might give him a, give him a chance. He's got like this nasally voice. He's a Midwestern guy. He is hilarious. Like his, he calls himself pizza. Anyway, so here's our call to adventure muses because we are on our journeys of adventure to in our authenticity of our greatness, of our power, of our full lives. So notice when you are holding on to maintaining or staying pretty. When when does that happen? Is it in a Zoom meeting? Is it at the dinner table? Is it at the gym? Is it at the grocery store? Is it when you're hanging out with your friends? Is it when you're meeting strangers? And like, 
How might the idea of maintaining prettiness be holding you back from actually expressing your real authentic beauty? So are you, do you hold back from giving it all in your workout? Like when we think about sweaty boxer mom, what's that saying about leaving everything on the dance floor or everything in the ring? What freedom? It just imagine what freedom would you feel if you just let go of your inhibitions? Forget about what other people think and just let your body move because I will guarantee that those people are not really thinking and looking at you unless you're me and looking at her, but she didn't care. And that made it even more awesome and made me want to like not care what other people were thinking. Like she was just in it, focused on herself and her body and her breath and her punches. And she was just letting herself make all the weird faces and like crump it out. Who cares if sweaty doesn't look pretty? Pretty according to who? What if you think that sweaty is pretty? You'll have a totally different glow. And now poker face is for playing poker. Do you hold your cards tight? Do you protect your cards, metaphorically speaking? Do you protect your emotions? Do you protect how you truly feel? And it's because you want to keep the upper hand? Is it because you want to maintain control. Maybe you don't want to show vulnerability because you think you'll seem weak. When I hope that stank face guitarist actually shows you that letting off the poker face is a sign of power. She's the player at the poker table who's so confident about playing the game that she can step away from the game whenever she wants. She can leave the cards and the money on the table because she knows she's got more. And she actually knows that it doesn't even define her winning or losing money or not. People around you will sense the bravery and courage. Just like me, like when I watch Stank Face Guitars, I am in total awe of her. It's a superpower that we can step into practicing our Stank Face. Like listen to that song Cry by John Batiste and like let your resting bitch face just, just groove. And don't judge yourself if you catch yourself judging or don't judge yourself if you catch your face judging yourself. (laughs) Just be in the game. Feel it. Feel the music. Feel that bass line. Feel that, that guitar. And feel it because you can. Feel because you choose to. Feel because you're strong enough. That's your power. Why be pretty when you can be powerful? And finally, afraid that your crying isn't attractive? Like I kind of have like this nasal head cold right now. But when I cry, I cry through my nose. (laughs) Tears come out of my nose more than they come out of my eyes. And when that snot comes out, please pass the tissue. I'm not like the pretty crier. Like my friend Kate, when she cries, it all comes out of her eyes. And she just looks so pretty. She doesn't think she looks pretty. Or I'm thinking of Kim Kardashian when she has her ugly cry and her like mouth turns down and she kind of looks like that emoji with her eyes like in those rainbow face and it's kind of sad and just like it's almost melting. Let that be. Your face has almost 20 muscles that attach to different places on your skull And they're supposed to be used like all of our other muscles. If we don't use them, we lose them. So let yourself cry. Let yourself look like you feel something. 
it's way cheaper than Botox. Final words before we to wrap up. What's beautiful to you, Muse? What's ugly to you? Do you see one as better or superior than the other? How does that reflect the way you see yourself? How does that affect the way you speak to yourself and the way you allow yourself to show up or to be seen? It's something to notice. If you're curious about exploring this with me, I am a one-to-one coach. I coach privately and I offer free discovery calls for those who are interested in what it's like to work with me or curious about what the coaching conversation is like. If you are inspired by this conversation to explore your authentic beauty or to explore what's kind of holding you back and you want to connect with me, do that. I will leave a link in the show notes to my calendar. I offer like a one hour call where you get 30 minutes of pure coaching. And if you're interested in talking about what it's like to work with me, then we can go into those details. But if not, you walk away with a transformation. I know you will get clarity, confidence, and know what your next step is. You will know yourself deeper and that in itself is transformative. All right, Muse, whether you're sweaty boxer mom, stank face guitarist, or ugly cry soprano, I hope you take these muses with you and see how they inspire your authentic beauty. Until next time, stay true. Love you! Thank you for listening to the Secret Muse Society. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts to rate and review this podcast so other modern muses like you can find us too. I invite you to continue the conversation and connect with me on Instagram at karenchoy.co. Join me next week for more secrets inspired by you. I'm Karen Choi. Until next time, stay gold.